Welcome back, mother lovers, to a brand new episode of Last Call at McLaren's, the best damn how I met your mother podcast on the internet. I am one of your hosts, Josh, here with my best bud, John. How you doing, man? I am great. How are you, you mother lover? I, I'm doing pretty pretty good. You know, I'm excited to talk about this episode because this is no, one of my one of my favorite Don't even ones. lie, because off the air, you were like, this is gonna be a pain in the ass. <laughs> Only it's it's only a pain to take the notes for it. <laughs> That's fair. I think talking about it will be fun. Um, and I love watching this episode. It's such a good episode. This is, it's not one of my favorite episodes, but it's one of the ones that I love because it's so, so stupid. Yeah. But I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big fan of this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, but yeah, as you guys hopefully can see, if you're you know if you're watching this, you probably read the description. We are talking season <laughs> three, episode eleven, the Platinum Rule. Platinum Rule. All right, yes. Uh, so this episode originally aired on December tenth of two thousand and seven. Now this was actually the last episode for three for a three month stretch. Oh wow. The, because of the the two thousand seven to two thousand eight writer strike, this was the oh god. The, yeah, this was the last episode right before the writers' strike. Uh, the next one didn't air until that following March. Shit, I remember that writers' strike. Yeah, uh, so it was directed by Pamela Fryman, of course, and uh, written by Craig Thomas and Carter Bays. They they took on the the the, the reins to to write this one because they knew that the strike was coming, uh, and so they wanted to make sure that they were the ones who got it done in case something happened. Um, and they wrote this apparently because I listened to the the commentary on the DVD. They wrote this episode the weekend before the writer strike happened. Shit! Like they like the writer strike was on a Monday, and they wrote it that weekend. Uh, and on Monday, they were there on the picket line because they're because they're writers and they're not allowed to work at that point. Um, and so they had to hand off the script to to. Fry and she had to just take it her and and their editor just had to run with it without any alterations to the script they oh, like wow. nothing it was just this is what it was and and they weren't allowed to make any changes at all because of the strike i mean yeah. kudos to them though for still going on and having a 22 <clears throat> episode season no they only had 20 for this one Oh, I mean, yeah. still though, it's better yeah. than like the Scrubs suffered immensely. A lot of shows did, yeah. A lot of shows had like ten to thirteen episode seasons during yeah. the year because of it. And they talked a little bit about that. They they were like, you know, we got really lucky. We were able to get a twenty episode season, you know, instead of like a like an eleven. I think is what they had said. Um, so they got to tell their stories throughout. Which yeah, it would have been very different. Would have cut a lot of stuff out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I always I always think about when I think of the strike, I always think about how I was watching Scrubs at that time. And you know, Scrubs has that yeah. weird season finale with the the fairy tale and yeah, it's the the village idiot and stuff like that. And I'm just always like, it's such a weird fucking story to end on for them because that's well, not if you think about it. This could have been the season finale. Because if, if they weren't able if they weren't able to come back to do more stuff then this would have been it well Maybe. yeah think about that we would have gotten nothing from stella this season yeah it would have all been pushed into the next season shit yeah it's pretty wild to think about it really is yeah uh, okay so the summary for this one ted wants to ask out his dermatologist uh, against the gang's advice they take turns recounting tales on how relationships with people they saw on a regular basis have backfired all right. I mean, that's a pretty solid synopsis for this episode. Yeah. It, I Not mean, as bad as some. It, it, it would get way too complicated to try to, to dive into more than that in just a oh, little yeah. summary. So, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job with that one. So this is the first 
This episode is the first mention of Stella. Stella Zinman. Stella! Yeah, so for those of you who know, you know, it's Ted's dermatologist who, who ends up removing the butterfly tattoo. Uh, though she's not actually shown in this episode, she does come up uh, two episodes from now in the in the episode 10 sessions. She does. Yeah. Uh, though th- I, I still find this funny. This is not the first time Ted has uh, tried to uh, go out with a dermatologist. No, because wasn't the other one uh, the perfect match? Yeah, from 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 Matchmaker. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And she's so much. She is so similar to Stella, like looks and everything. I I feel like they had this idea in their heads way back then, and they just decide, decided to reuse it. I don't know that. I, I don't know if that's true. That's just my thought on it. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> or. Uh, or since this story is Ted is told through Ted's eyes, what if Ted just uh, saw them as being similar? I mean, hey, you never know. That that would be pretty interesting. Oh, we have a little <laughs> guest in the background I, of our video I was today. Say, there's my pain <laughs> in the butt. <laughs> See, and this is why you guys should be watching the video. You get little uh, appearances by a cute little cat once in a while. She was like, <laughs> "What? What are we looking at?" She's like, oh, shit, I think I'm on camera. I got to get out of here. <laughs> uh, so throughout this episode, uh, they because they talked about this on the on the commentary, too. They specifically used Lily's changing hairstyles to kind of set the time frame for each of these stories. Fair. You know, like how uh, in in the 2005 when she has like that bright red wig that yeah, we've the seen. The one that you love so much. It's so hilarious. It's such a bad wig, but I love it. Uh, and, and then we have the like the post return from San Francisco hairstyle in the 2006 one. So like, yeah, they did. I think they did a really good job with that. And obviously had to, they were talking, P Fry was talking about, they had to like map out exactly how they were going to do all this stuff because of the different looks and they wanted to make sure everything lined up and everything. It was pretty crazy. I mean, I give them credit for pulling this episode off because yeah. this episode is, it's a deep dive. It's true. There's only one thing that I think, I don't know if, if it necessarily causes a, a continuity error um, or if maybe there's a way to think ourselves out of it. But obviously in this episode, we see Barney hooking up with Wendy the waitress in 2005. Yeah. But in 2006, during the brunch episode, he tries to get with Wendy and then he's rack jacked by Ted's dad. Oh, yeah. So it's like, he's already been with her, yet he's trying again. He already knows what happened the last time. Yeah. Like, the character should already know what happened the last You're time. You're right. You know, so that's the the only thing that I found, other, you know, about the continuity for it, uh, about it. But otherwise, I, I'm good with the rest of it. <laughs> Though we never see, we never see these neighbors. We We, we have never seen them. Up until now, no, we never no. saw Kurt. Up until now, you know, so it's like stuff that well, that happened that we never got to see. And it's funny because the one neighbor, um, I think it's funny because I don't know her from much else. Kristen Shaw, yeah, but I know that it's uh, the voice of Louise Belcher. Oh, okay, yeah. So, like, whenever I see her, I'm always like, oh yeah, you know, it's the chick who voices Louise. Oh, she was on a she, like, she was on a show called Last Man on Earth with Will Forte, and it was hilarious. And that's where I like first kind of like really got to know her. Like I, I've seen her in other things randomly, but didn't know who she was. Um, but like really got to know her on that. And so like every time I've rewatched this episode, it, I, it's always fun to like be like, ah, yeah, it's fucking Kristen Shaw. Yeah, see, everybody's yeah. always got like a hundred things they know her from, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I just really know her from like you know. Yeah, Bob's I've never Burgers. watched. I've never watched Bob's Burgers. Well, no, I, I take that. Back. I've watched like one episode of Bob's Burgers. So yeah, not, so you know, you know the I daughter would... that wears like the pink bunny ears. Yeah, it's her. Okay. Yeah, I haven't watched enough for me to be like I'm point picking out and remembering names or like you know voices and stuff. So fair. But uh, all right, so we are going to uh, get into some of this stuff here. Um, I did want to point out we have several purple sightings 
throughout this episode. Oh, uh, yeah. In each of the time frames. So I thought that was really, again, I never know if they're doing this on purpose or not. But they used it in every in every era of it. So, like in the present time, Ted is wearing a purple shirt the entire a time. Purple shirt. And then uh, in the in two thousand five, Barney's wearing a purple shirt when him and Wendy get it on in the bar. Uh, in two thousand six, I'm pretty sure there was two instances, but I I, I couldn't. I, I, on my second watch, I forgot to write down the second time because I know that. There's a second time that Lily wears something purple, but she's wearing a purple dress um, when the neighbors show up and they're about to go out because they had like tickets to something. Yeah. Lily's wearing a purple dress. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know that it was even ever done purposely to start. Yeah. I I like to think that this was just something coincidental that fans started to notice because, you know, certain colors work better on cameras and stuff like that. That's why yeah. a lot of wardrobes stick to like circulating so many outfits and stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, certain shots are done certain ways. And that's why, like, no, I true. get into stories on that. But, you know, <laughs> what true. I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then in 2007, uh, Robin wears a purple shirt while uh, they're at the bar. And she, and when it's her time to say, yeah, well, I think it'll be okay. You know, when they go through that little Fair. line of stuff she's wearing purple uh, at that point so you know and obviously in all four instances these these relationships don't turn out good i mean barney's doesn't end horribly though in his mind though it does you know what i mean in his mind it i do sadly does <laughs> and it's like taking that step that's why i think his purple at the moment that he's wearing it is perfect because like that's the moment that he makes the mistake yeah when he sleeps with with you know wendy the waitress in that moment and then everything just kind of downfalls for from there for him all right so this episode uh starts off with a quick recap of ted discovering uh that he has a butterfly tattoo we get a you know quick shot of that again and then moves into present day with ted at the dermatologist so he can set up his tattoo uh, removal you know so we're we're setting up this whole thing with stella and everything before we've even you know learned her name yet you know we're setting everything up with with the dermatologist finally because it's been a bit oh yeah he's had that tattoo for for a little bit now uh, and so at the apartment, Ted tells everyone that he's getting the, the tattoo removed uh, and that he's also got a date with his doctor named Stella Zinman. And none of the gang thinks this is a good idea. None I mean, it's not. No, it's really not. Uh, Barney, uh, as he puts it, you know, you don't poop where you eat. And what I find funny, if this was How I Met Your Father, they'd say it. They'd say, you don't shit where you eat. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that's that's the, really, that's the the, the saying. I don't that know is the very popular saying. Yeah, I don't know, any, know anybody who says you don't poop where you eat. Just, maybe my kid would say that if she knew the, the saying. But other than that, no. And, yeah, it's solid advice, man. Like You just, you don't. It, 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 it turns out bad. It just really does. Oh, it turns out so bad. Yeah. Uh, and so he, he asks Ted if he's ever heard of the golden rule, love thy neighbor, to which Ted, he pulls a corrector moment here. Uh, and he says that the golden rules actually uh, do unto others as you would uh, want them to do unto you. And I was as I was doing my research, I came across something. Um, apparently, this Bible verse that he's claiming that is, is what it really is meant to be. Um, the actual Bible verse is closer to Barney's golden rule because it's in the Bible. It's love your neighbor as yourself. I was going to say it's much closer to Barney's, but yeah. And uh, Barney's golden rule is a thing and predates Christianity uh, and can be found in almost all major religions and uh, but was not actually given the name the golden rule until the 17th century. I thought that was pretty fair. He then outlines the platinum rule, which, you know, opposed to the golden rule of love thy neighbor, 
the platinum rule is never, uh, ever, ever, ever love thy neighbor. Yes. And uh, Ted, does, he doesn't want to buy into any of this stuff. You know, he says, you know, if they're going to fail, it's not going to be because of some rule, which I find really funny because Ted's relationship with Stella does fail because of a rule. Because he breaks the rule about inviting exes, exes to the wedding. To wedding. Yep. So technically, it did fall apart because of a rule, which I thought was uh, was well, pretty cool. Sad part is, is like it's one of the few times where Ted's good guy side fails him yeah. because he was trying to do it for such a good reason, mm. and like he was doing it for a selfish reason. Because he wanted Robin to be able to be there. True. That was really the reason why he invites Tony. True. He, you know, I mean, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like <sighs> Ted's always got a smidge of selfishness behind the things. A lot of the things that he does. <laughs> That's not <laughs> wrong. No. <laughs> uh, so you know, they all decide they're gonna kind of tell their stories about what happened uh, you know, to them in the past and why this is a bad idea. And so Barney lays out what the steps are, these eight steps to the platinum rule and what how they affect all these stories. Uh, and I'm just going to quickly go through them. We've got attraction, which is the instant and which is instant and undeniable. And uh, it says, and you should, you should know better, but you always think uh, at the time that it'll be different this time. Uh, then we have bargaining. Uh, you make an excuse, uh, any excuse to to make it seem like this time will be different. Uh, and then, you know, things won't get that serious. You know, you're trying to to trying to make yourself believe that, it, you know, things are going to be OK. Then we have submission, which is the moment that you give in to your urges. Perks. Which you know, there's always benefits to the situation. You always find them. Uh, you find those before you realize that they're just not enough. You know, for what's going on. Then you get to the tipping point, which is that moment that you realize that it's just not working anymore, and you got to end it. Uh, then it's purgatory, which is that feeling that you get uh, when you can't escape the situation, no matter what you do. Then confrontation is when you finally get the stones to call it off and fall out because you have to see this person on the regular so you have to deal with what comes after uh when it all ends and then the stories uh these stories are all kind of nestled within one another which we talked a little bit about how uh, we have robin and kurt in 2007 which we get the flashbacks to marshall and lily uh with their neighbors in 2006 which within that we get the flashbacks to barney and wendy in 2005 all inception like uh, and so now we're just going to jump into these uh, and we're going to start with 2007, John. Woohoo! Robin, Robin and, Kurt. and Kurt, the Iron Man. That's right. So Robin meets Kurt. Uh, he's the new sports anchor for Metro News One. And she instantly is attracted to this guy, uh, specifically after he mentions that he was once a hockey player. Robin uh, and so hockey. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, she even says, uh, you know, probably because she's Canadian and that if he was missing some teeth, she'd have probably already slept with him. Which I, thought, I thought that that was kind of funny, though, that she's not yeah. denying like she kind of calls slut on herself. She does. Absolutely, man. She calls Canadian slut on herself. <laughs> Canadian slut. <laughs> and then one day, uh, Kurt invites Robin to a hockey game. Uh, and they have, you know, they have a great time. Robin, she begins to fall for Kurt a bit more. Uh, Dude, you know, those panties got wet. Real wet, man. Uh, and then they started making out. You know, the guy hot and heavy at the game here. Oh, you know they did. Oh, yeah. And then back at the bar, uh, Robin tells the gang about the perks of dating Kurt. You know, they can they can share a cab to work. <laughs> the perks of Kurt. Per perks of Kurt. You can share a cab to work. Uh, you know, they always have a standing lunch date and she even got uh, to to go into the locker room at the hockey game because of him uh, and meet some of the players. You know, so, you know, a lot, a lot of a lot of good perks here for, for dating this guy, according to Robin. Uh, then uh, after, uh, you know, one of their broadcasts that they had, Robin asked Kurt 
you know, if you'd like to do something later. And he gets like all weird and kind of passive aggressive and shit because she didn't call him the night before. Yeah. And and so she apologizes and backs off. Uh, and, and he's like, oh, I don't want to fight because it's our our first week anniversary. And I'm just yeah, like, man, like, oh, my God. It's like you guys have been a together week. a week. Yeah, and it's like you thought, like at that point, you think it would be longer. Yeah, like at least like a month, maybe. And but like a week, a week. Come on, dude. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so this this is kind of Robin's realization moment that she yep. has that this whole thing with Kurt, it's just not working out. Uh, so then we head over to the bar. Robin is telling the gang about how Kurt keeps, uh, you know, leaving her love notes on post-its all over the station, which that's kind of, that's a bit much. That's stalkerish. Yeah. I, I was, I was hesitant to say that, but you are right. <laughs> no, I mean, like it's, it's, yeah. it, I, I always like to use this show to make and drive points home. It's Dahmer Dauber effect. Yeah, it is, man. And like, this is totally Dahmer. Yeah, you. It gets it's ruined, and like, cause she had a stack of them, man. Dude, a stack. Yeah, and like, he's leaving them all over, not just like in places where only she would find them, but out in public places, all over the place. You know. Yeah. Like that's really weird and really awkward for. Robin, really? I mean, she has to deal with this, and every you know, I, it got it got real weird. This Kurt guy, he got real weird real fast. Uh, and he doesn't he doesn't take things well when she finally decides uh, that she's gonna she's gonna end things with him. He does not take it well at all. No, he does not. And then during the broadcast, uh, when they're talking about the Knicks, he just starts using it kind of like. Almost like a metaphor for their failed relationship. Oh, and yeah. And he does, and he does it all on air, and he has like this breakdown on air. It's like, wow, dude. It's, it's kind of funny though when he does it though, because like he's like, "What was wrong with the Knicks?" And she she gives a legitimate reason. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Sure, yeah, okay." The, the Knicks suck, and he just fucking like, takes suck. off. <laughs> But, you know, eventually things turn around, you know, and, and they're able to be friends again and move on. Uh, and so, like, that's the bit that we get for Robin and Kurt, which, you know, it's definitely was not a good situation uh, for her. Um, dating a coworker, I mean, th- that's tough, especially somebody like in that situation. You're literally next to them every day. Oh, yeah, but I mean, at least the nice part about it is is that, you know, hers is only while she's at work. Poor, poor Marsha and Lily will find out as we as we go back into 2006, they were Mm -hmm. trapped in their own home at points like, (laughs) yes, they were. You can't even go anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that brings us into the Lily Marshall and the new neighbor couple in 2006. Chavo. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we got Lily and Marshall, uh, and they're heading out to meet their new neighbors, Michael and Laura. Uh, they ask Marshall and Lily if they know any good brunch spots in the neighborhood, and they realize these are some good people. We we like these people, and we want to yeah. hang around with these people. Because they like brunch, too. Yeah. I mean, in all fairness, though. Who doesn't enjoy a good brunch? Right? I, I agree. And you want to know what I thought was interesting? That I don't think I had ever like thought about or noticed any of the other times I've watched this. Both couples have the same initials. It's Marshall and Lily, Michael and Laura. Oh, shit. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever really thought about that. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, okay. It, that's a... It's obviously uh, it was a, it was a choice. Like They made that. Uh, that was a deliberate choice on the right. Oh, side. probably. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and so as they're chatting, the new neighbors say that their movers must have lost, you know, like their pots and pans and stuff. And so they're going to go out to eat. And so Lily and Marshall invite them over for dinner. Okay. You know, seems pretty innocent. You know, innocent. innocent. Yeah, real innocent. 
know, so they cook dinner together. They play some charades uh, and they're having like a great time. Then at the bar, you know, they're telling the gang about, you know, everything and, you know, about the perks again, you know, hanging out with, with these people. They, you know, they love that they're right across the hall. You know, yeah. they can have they can have brunch double dates. They can have dinner parties. They can play charades. <laughs> so I just thought about this. Brunch is obviously not a friend of Marshall. Nothing <laughs> good ever happens for him and brunch. <laughs> You're not wrong, man. He loves himself some brunch. He does. But it, it always seems to be accompanied by bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. Like, you're maybe right. he should just stop having brunch outside of his house. You know what? I think you're right. Just him, just him and Lily, and that's it. Or maybe just him. He can just have lunch by himself or right. brunch by himself in his apartment, and that's it. It's the only way he's allowed to from now on. I hadn't really <laughs> thought about that until I was just thinking about it. And I was yeah. like, damn. That's a good point, man. I like that. Uh, but it starts to be to become a bit too much for Marshall and Lily. Um, they have, they, we get come on to a scene where they have tickets to something. We don't actually know what they have tickets to. Uh, and they're heading out for the night and the neighbors are right there at the door. Oh yeah. Like, creepy style right there at the door. They got stuff to do, uh, a Mexican fiesta. Me- yeah. I was going to say it was Mexican and I was like, but I don't yeah. remember if they said anything, Yeah, but it's like. I mean, I feel like that one there, though. All Marshall and Lily would have had to have done was really put their foot down and been like, no, yeah. I'm sorry, we really can't. Like, I literally, in my notes, wrote, this is where I would have put my foot down. Yeah. <laughs> because they, you know, they they mentioned, you know, that they, you know, they had plans and they were heading out, but they just let them push their way in. And when they're like, we should play charades, what do you guys think? Right there, you could have they could have been like, sorry guys, we're on our way out, you know. Yeah, you know, maybe tomorrow night that would be cool, but right now Hell we yeah. can't. But instead, they just roll over and let it happen. Pretty much, you know, it's I don't I, I get that they try to be like the nice people, but you gotta be able to live your own lives, guys. Like, come on, have to be able to, yeah. And this is the moment that they realize this this has got to end. Uh, Lily and Marshall tell the gang that they just can't take it anymore. These people are everywhere, they say. Uh, and they even say, they're like, sometimes we even said, te- said, send Ted out as a scout. And, you know, one second they're not there. And then they look and one second they are there, which, there. We, get, which we get to see that in a, in a, in a little bit. Um, then Lily and Marshall finally confront Michael and Laura and tell them they can't do this anymore. And then we get the scene where uh, <laughs> Marshall and Lily are getting ready to head out and they look out the peephole and they, they're like, okay, no, they're not. Uh, or no. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. Oh no, no. They first, they, they go out first and then the, the door starts to open. So they run back in. That's what happens first. And so they're like hiding in their apartment. And then, and then there's, there's a, there's knock, a knock on the door. There's a knock on and, the door. And it's Ted. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, it's just Ted. Okay. And Marshall's like, wait. And he looks at the people. He's like, okay, they're not out there. And he checks one more time and they're starting to come out their door. Yeah. So instead of just like waiting it out for another couple of minutes to let them go wherever they're going, they decide to climb down the fire escape. Yep. And into the alley. <laughs> And when they get to the bottom, like the creepers that they are, Laura and Michael are standing right there by the ladder waiting for them. Dahmer. And a hundred percent, dude. I'm like, why the fuck were they in that alley? And I was thinking that same thing. Like when that one happened, I'm like, what would they have even been doing in that alley? Like where would their like reason for that have even been? Because we know where the entrance to the building is. It's right oh, next yeah. to the entrance to the bar. It's uh-huh. the big stoop right out on the, on the street. Which means that they had to have gone, come out, gone down around the alley, and waited there, assuming that Marshall and Lily were going to come down. Right, and or, out that entrance? Or were they going to climb up the fire escape 
and then re- saw them coming down, so they waited. Who knows? I mean, I find it could have happened. It's possible. You know, the way they're acting, it could have happened. I don't know. I buy it. I mean, uh, you're not the, wrong. I could totally see it, too. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but in the end, though, you know, they, they're all able to move on. Uh, and they even run into each other in the hallway at one point, and they have some pleasant conversation. So everything seems okay. But I mean, we never see them again. And we never I'm see pretty, them again. And I'm pretty sure somebody else moves into that apartment. Like, uh, isn't it like the old lady that they talk about at say, one point? I think there's an old lady at one point. Yeah. So I, I think I, I don't think they stick around much, obviously, because we never see them again. <laughs> All right, so that will take us then into 2005 with Barney and Wendy the Waitress. I think this is probably the best portion uh, of the episode. I think Um, this is definitely my favorite of all the tales of this episode. You want to know who else uh, it's the favorite of? Charmina Moya. Charlene Moya herself. This is her favorite episode that she ever did, which I understand because I think this is probably the most... That Wendy got to do throughout the show. Yeah, probably. And it's probably the moment that Wendy became like a fan favorite character. I mean, definitely. I mean, not to you mention, know? she's just really pretty and bubbly anyway. Yeah, it's very true. She she absolutely is. Uh, so this whole portion starts off at the bar. Uh, Wendy brings Barney a drink. And a gin and tonic. Yeah, that's like a running thing throughout this. Is yeah. the gin and tonic, which is like, when the fuck does he drink gin and tonics? Never. He, you know what I mean? But constantly throughout this this portion uh, of this episode, it, it's him getting gin and tonics over and over again. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, she brings him the drink, and she realizes that she is she she got something on her shirt, um, specifically right on her breast, and she's like trying to wipe it off. And that's when Barney realizes yeah, that he's attracted to her. You know, he's like, yeah. He wants to bang her. Oh, he's like, challenge accepted. <laughs> bang sober. Yeah. So uh, when Barney tells the gang that he's going to seduce Wendy, they're all like, no, man, you're going to kill the bar. Don't kill the yeah. bar. I was going to say, I love Marshall's running gag here where he's like, don't kill the bar, bro. Yep. Don't kill the bar. He's, he's so serious. like, don't kill the bar, man. Don't, don't kill the bar. <laughs> I mean, you figure, though, they're there on an almost everyday basis. Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. maybe not everyday, but they're, uh, from what we see, they're always there. Always, yeah. I mean, they're they're there enough to where they have been able to essentially claim a booth. To claim a booth. I mean, and I feel like everybody else who, who goes there regularly knows not to take that booth yeah carl fucking yeah. throw him out of there like a crazy man you know it and if not uh, crazy or uh not uh carl the uh the, oh god what was the other doug one? is it doug 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 uh, yeah <laughs> crazy doug crazy doug <laughs> who's apparently always there but <laughs> just never see him <laughs> all right so then one night barney uh he's at the bar for some reason, he's still there at closing time when literally nobody else is. Uh, and Wendy's there alone closing up. Yep. And she she asks him if he'd be willing to help. So he stays and helps, and they start making out. And then they bang on the bar. Bang on uh, the bar. And I found this funny. Uh, Wendy makes a comment here uh, saying, uh, you know, that, that was an interesting use of a beverage gun. To which Barney replies, club soda can get anything off. And I'm like, they got real nasty down there. I mean, <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, I'm just like, I, I don't know how um, <coughs> how good for the uh, the body that is, but I, I, I mean, who knows? You know... <laughs> I try not to ask a lot of questions when it comes to the <laughs> the performance, but yeah, I I would have to agree with you that that could not have been good for yeah. But apparently, it, uh, I mean, I feel like that's something you might try, John. I'm right. I, come on, if you have the I opportunity, mean, 
I had the opportunity, probably. Yeah, there you go. Just blast that thing. Uh, so what Wendy then talks about how, you know, there's been this unspoken connection between them, uh, obviously showing that she's falling for him. And he responds by asking her for a gin and tonic. Yeah, right away, too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, uh, I'll get a gin and tonic. Yep. I was like, oh, uh, my fucking God. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, you know, later on at the bar, he's, you know, talking to everybody again. We're going to go over the perks. You know, he can see uh, we we get to see Wendy bringing him a free plate of nachos. So that's one of the big perks is he big gets perks. free stuff. He gets free stuff and he's getting sex. Those are really his perks. Um, And she is so like awkwardly dorky in this scene. Yeah. And it's like really adorable to me. <laughs> it's like. This is the kind of kind of girl like I think this is the kind of girl that. Ted would have been better off with. Oh, you know 100%. what I mean? Yeah. And there's the, there's an episode where I'm, I don't think it's happened yet, but it's, it's the one where Lily wants to set Ted up with the girl. Cause it'd be, mm. she'd be perfect for him. Yeah. And then Barney gets there first. And yeah. it's like the entire time. It's like Barney's like, he makes a comment. He's like, Oh, you're right. She would have been perfect for you. That's mm-hmm. like, well, now she's no good to anybody. Right. Ruined her. <laughs> that's that's Barney's whole thing, man. Uh, he, I mean, like all the times that he took girls away from from Marshall. I mean, granted, oh, that yeah. was the plan. But still, yeah. like he did that because that's that's kind of his thing. That is absolutely his thing. Mm-hmm. And so the gang continued to kind of go off on him saying again, he's going to kill the bar. Going to kill the bar. And uh, he claims, you know, Wendy knows, you know, she she's seen me do my thing, you know, over the years. She knows that this is just a fling, but she totally does not think of it that but, way. So I, I see, and this is where I have to kind of agree with him on this one, though. She can't be naive to the fact that she's never seen him run a play yeah. or parade a constant string of skanks. Out no, that I get bar. it. She should know better. Unfortunately, she does not. <laughs> I mean, momentary yeah. lapse of judgment is what I'm going to go with on Wendy's part. Yeah, I think. I mean, she she's getting some real attention from from Barney, and probably somebody that she's been attracted to for a lot for a while. Oh, I I believe it. And so I think she's just kind of throwing herself into it. You know. Well, think about it on a waitress aspect. Most of the guys who typically go into bars are under underappreciative dicks who don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Barney is a well-dressed, well-spoken, obviously has money kind of person. Yeah. You know, he's constantly there, which means she sees him on a regular basis. And he doesn't really ever hit on her, really. True. You know what I mean? His targets are always customers. True. And so, whereas I feel like most waitresses are constantly getting hit on by guys. Yeah. He's probably one of the few who really doesn't. But is still nice to her and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I I feel like that could also be be part of uh, all of that. So, yeah. Like I said, momentary lapse of judgment. Yeah. Uh, and so we head back to the bar. Barney spots a beautiful young woman at the bar and he asks, apparently he's just like completely convinced that Wendy is cool with this just being a fling. He is so convinced with, of that, that he asks Wendy to send a glass of champagne to that pretty young thing over there to which she gets visibly upset by. And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think I meant... I'm, you I meant, yeah i meant that pretty young thing over there meaning you <laughs> like she is so like in it that she's already willing to believe the lies oh yeah you know what i mean because that was not the best that was not a very good cover no not at all like, not i mean not even a little and she and she falls for it hook line and sinker stinker uh, yeah, uh, and then we we see a little 
quick shot of them uh, sitting together. Um, it's technically a three shot. It's uh, they do the, the split screen. Yeah, they, where all three of them realize, you know, this is this is bad. Um, but it's he's sitting at the bar with Wendy, and Wendy's drinking the champagne. Yeah, which I thought was cool. And again, this is where Barney realizes this cannot continue. Uh, Barney asks the gang, you know, why would you let me date Wendy the waitress? And they're just like, oh, come on, man. Like, <laughs> we tried to tell you, you know, many times. Yeah. And then again, he's pretty he's, dumb for this one. Yeah. I Again, I think he's just he's trying to avoid taking any sort of responsibility. Oh, and that's that's, for, a, that's a Barney yeah. thing. Um, and then he then spots uh, another cutie at the bar, uh, and she's smiling at him. So he smiles back. Obviously, he's kind of, you know, playing, you know, working a play with his eyes, you know, with her. Uh, and then she turns away, and Wendy's right there, looks up, right and smiles there. at him. Yeah, and she smiles at him, all cute like. And this is where he feels like he's essentially lost everything by making this mistake. Yep. You know, he's he's. He used to be, you know, the king of the jungle, and now he's stuck sleeping with the, the same old lioness. <laughs> Listen, night after night. I would never once complain about sleeping with her. Right? Yeah, uh, dude, a hundred percent. You know, he'd be lucky to have someone like her. Oh, I mean, uh, like in real life, though. Even. Oh yeah. Like, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Just so Barney. No, yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, so Barney then tells Wendy that he doesn't like her anymore. Uh, and she comes up, she makes up this excuse in her own head, thinking that it's because he's terrified of ever getting close to anyone. And I'll be honest, I think part of her is right on that. Oh, I don't doubt that one, but... Like, he's obviously doesn't believe that. But yeah, I think deep down, that's a big part of why he is the way that he is. Um, and he just goes with it. He's like, oh, he's like, yeah, we'll go with that. And then he asks for another gin and tonic. Another gin and tonic. Yep. Uh, so Wendy seems to take this the best out of the three scenarios, I think, because um, she doesn't seem super upset afterwards. No. You know, whereas the couple got real weird uh, and Kurt took it real hard. She She seemed to be able to move on pretty well from it. Um, however, Barney doesn't think that that's, that's the case. No, um, I love Barney's reaction. Yeah. He's like she so brings she, over the gin and tonics for him yep. and Ted yep. and he's like, it must be poisoned. Yeah. <laughs> and Ted's like, what? That's dumb. And he's like, yours is probably poisoned too. But it's what happens next that made me die laughing. The hamburger? Uh-huh. Oh my God. Yeah. Where'd Marshall get that burger? I don't know. Wendy the waitress probably brought it over to him. Oh no. She's trying to poison Marshall too. And he like fucking dives and he's like, wham! Slow-mo, just like he chucks a chair out of the way and just dives over that booth. And the way he smacks that burger out of out of Marshall's hands, I died laughing both times I watched it. So it was so funny. The thing that makes me laugh is is I, I really wish knowing where we go further in the show that like they could have like had the moments elsewhere because I would have loved for because Marshall goes, bro, yeah, and I would have loved for him to have looked at Lily and been like, see, baby, if we could find the place with the red door, this would never have happened. <laughs> that would have been awesome, a hundred percent, dude. That would have been a great throw in if if they if they knew, yeah, like you said. Um, and then at the end, uh, Wendy seems to have fully moved on, you know, yep. she brings, brings up another gin and tonic, uh, which is like what the fourth or fifth gin and tonic that he had throughout this episode. Oh yeah. Uh, to which once again, Barney dumps it out. Cause he still doesn't trust that. Yeah. But I uh, love that he dumps it. And then he's like, cuckoo. Yep. <laughs> uh, so that is all of the, the three stories that the gang are telling to ted but we still have stuff that happens with ted you know oh uh, yeah we, we talked about a little bit about what happens at the beginning but then you know 
it continues on uh, throughout, you know, in between the stories and stuff. And throughout the stories, Ted is he's he's at the mirror and he's like working on his hair. And they make this joke like, oh, yeah, OK, if you're working on here, we got like a half an hour because, <laughs> you know, it, great it joke. Yeah. Um, and every time he goes to leave, Barney runs over and like messes his hair up so that he has to stay longer. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you noticed this, but every time he does that, he walks up behind Marshall and Marshall hands just him a napkin. hands him a napkin to wipe his hand off. Yeah. And, and I was listening to the commentary. And this is because they made Josh Radner use so much product in his hair because he kept having to just mess with his hair that his hair was all like greasy and shit because of it. Yeah. I didn't catch on to the napkin until I think it's the second time or the third time. It's the time it's the time where Ted's like, by the way, my hair looks awesome. Oh yeah, that was the last time that he okay. did. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was right then. And I was like, I gotta go back and see the rest. And I went back and that's why I was like, oh shit. He handed yeah. him a napkin every time. Yeah, yeah. It's because, it does make sense yeah. though, because yeah, his hair does look way more greasy than normal in this episode. Mm-hmm. Cause he kept because he kept having to do stuff with it. So, you know, it, it wasn't just a, a character thing. It was a here, give Neil a napkin to wipe his Fair. hands off. Which I thought was epic, to, to, and it, but it's like they don't make a big deal about it. It's just it's just there as he's it's just there, yeah. Dialogue, you know, so I thought that was really well done. Um, and so Ted, you know, he understands that you know the odds of this, you know, budding relationship if there is one with Stella, uh, the odds of it failing are, are high. Um, but he's still willing to give it a chance, you know, and so he goes off on onto this date, which we don't get to see. Uh, yet. Nope. Um, but when Ted gets back later that night, he reveals that it wasn't actually a date, uh, that Stella thought that they were just going to the movie as friends because there's a rule, and no, not the platinum rule, John. <laughs> there's a rule that says that uh, she cannot she date her patients. Yep. Yeah. Which we find out later on. Like We actually see the date. Yes, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. We get to see all that in uh, in the 10 Sessions episode. Yeah, she's only, she's only two episodes away. Woo! Yeah. Uh, so Barney says, you know, uh, you know, of course it's the platinum rule. Stella must read my blog. Yeah, which Stella I thought was really. Blog. I I found this to be really funny and kind of ironic because there's no blog entry for this episode. Ah. Yet he makes specific reference to it. And they've never mentioned the platinum rule. I'm pretty sure before this. No. You know what I mean. So I just I thought that was interesting that it was mentioned, yet they didn't do one. Um, and so future Ted then talks about how he thinks that there's actually a ninth step to the platinum rule, and that is coexistence, which is the moment that you realize all the anger and resentment isn't useful anymore, and you let go of it and you move on. Uh, and that's where we see all those final scenes for each yeah. of the stories, you know. Though technically. Barney didn't really let go of stuff because he still thinks she's crazy. Still thinks she's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this, you know, this was, you know, the beginning of that law of this, you know, upcoming long Stella arc for Ted. Yeah. Uh, almost like a, a season's worth of stuff between, because it's like the back half of this season and most of the beginning, I think, of this, of this next season. Um, And we don't actually meet her until that 10 sessions episode, which is two, two away from now. And that's when we get to see the date and everything like that. But the next episode doesn't even have anything to do with her, which I think is interesting. What's the next episode? It's the, it's the um, St. Patrick's day episode where he finds the umbrella. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, It has nothing to do with her, but she does mention us at one point that she went to a party on St. Patrick's day, kind of alluding that she may have actually been there that night, mm. you know, so which, which I think is interesting. Obviously they don't, it, it's not in that episode, but it does kind of tie to it a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so that is all of uh, this episode at uh, season three, episode 11, the platinum rule, a lot platinum. of good stuff, 
a lot of good stuff uh, in there. So uh, you got any final thoughts on the episode, John? No. No? Yeah, I love this episode. It's it's so it's crazy and weird, and <coughs> you get a lot of good stuff with with Wendy the waitress. I really enjoy and uh, a lot of fun. It's it's a it's fun storytelling. It's a fun storytelling it, thing. It's definitely an interesting episode with the way they tell it. Yeah, I mean, it's not something I would want them to do all the time because that would it, oh, God, be way no. too much. But like for like a one one off kind of a thing, something different. That's what I always loved about this show is like they they weren't afraid to do different techniques. You know, like you yeah. get you get a full episode inside of a fucking car, you know, with the, in the, in the limo episode, you know, just yep. jam packed inside this limo, not even going into the parties and stuff that they're right. doing. So I, you know, just doing these weird different types of uh, of episodes. I, I I like that they do that. Well, there's also there's the episode where they do. Uh, it's the one where you find out about the person who used to live in the apartment before Ted and Marshall lived there. And oh, yeah. they end up at the the really uh, fancy party. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's the, like the van, the van Smoot party. The Van Smoot party. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. And so, like that whole episode is an out of character for the episode because it's like so different than anything they would usually do. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, and those are some some of my favorites when you when you get some weird stuff like that. So. Oh God, yeah. All right, so. With that out of the way, it is now time for, I'm sure, some people's favorite portion of the episode, Barney's Blog. Suit up, bitches! That's right. And in this one, we talked over the last couple of weeks how uh, I was doing three blogs in a row that were connected. This is the final connecting point for these blogs. Uh as you may remember on last week's blog entry, we learned that the the winner of Barney's bracket was the taller than you chick. Yeah, and taller this, than you. And this uh, one ties directly into that. All right. So this one uh, was is called Too Tall for My Britches and was written Monday, April 10th of 2006 at 5.43 p.m. And it says... It would seem I spoke too soon regarding uh, the benefits slash feasibility of dating a chick taller than oneself. To the readers who've already uh, procured themselves a taller than average drink of water, I can only say that Barney'sBlog.com cannot be held responsible for the difficulties you have surely encountered. <laughs> In short, don't believe everything you read on the internet. That's for her. those, yeah. For those of you who have not yet started down the path of tallness, here are a few perils of this less-than-ideal liaison. 1. Tracking skills. Apparently, the taller-than-you chick's unique stature allows her to constantly locate and ogle other potential mates, like a periscope in a sea of dudes. No matter uh, where you are, be you seated or be you standing, (laughs) she will be constantly looking right over your head, almost as if she were not that captivated by your rakish charms. Now, please bear in mind that this is not your fault. It could it could, and does happen to everyone. The, uh, the girl is merely behaving in accordance with the length of her neck. Two, forgetfulness. Apparently, the mental duress of coordinating so many inches of tall chick body leaves very little brain power left uh, for remembering things. Things like uh, which bar a gentleman may have suggested a tall chick meet him at, or where she can put his business card when she gave it when he gave it to her. It seems even minor things like unreturned voicemails can slip a tall girl's mind many times a day. I guess they're just too tall to pick up a phone and call you back. Huh? I'll be honest. In that portion, Barney sounds a little whiny. A little bit. Like she didn't call me back. That's uncharacteristic. Yeah. And then number one, inhumanity. Apparently, taller than you chick's narrow but lengthy ribcage is supported in part by the vacuum created by absence of a human heart. It makes sense if you think about it. No human heart could be strong enough to pump blood all the way to the ends of their freakishly long extremities. This lack of heart 
makes it impossible for taller than you chick chicks to experience normal human emotions, which makes it oddly unsympathetic to a partner's needs and desires and immune to lines and moves that would make a normal shorter than you woman melt. Trust me, it's not even worth it. Again, he's he's whiny. And I think it's because this chick did not fall for his shit. I mean, that's exactly what it sounds like. You know what I mean? So he he's getting all like, eh, she's <laughs> the Knicks suck. That's what it, he he's turning into a Kurt in this situation. Oh God! <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so then it says, in conclusion, dating a chick uh, that is taller than you is not, as previously supposed, all that possible, and really, it's her loss. We weren't even that interested in taller than you chick to begin with. For one thing. She would be terrible at laser tag. She couldn't hide behind anything. I therefore annul taller than you chick's recent victory in the 2006 NHCA Women's Hotness Championship, anointing a replacement co-winners, high school lacrosse champion, and recently released female convict. Brackets schmackets. Those are two ladies who understand what true hotness is all about. And there we have it, folks. That is the end of a long tale, three-week tale of uh, Barney's uh, bracket of hotness and what. <laughs> Barney's bracket <laughs> of hotness. I like yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, I want I want to get your thoughts on that. On this whole, we've been through a journey, John. For the last, we three have weeks. been through a journey. Now, I I know who I picked off the bracket originally, mm -hmm. thinking it would be a winner. But who were you rooting for? Oh man, I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to go back and even look at who was still on it. But I, I mean, I feel like looking from what I the ones I can remember, I thought yours, your pick was would have been higher. I with mean, with the farm farmer's girls, daughter. in my opinion, yeah, man, mm -hmm. I love a good farm girl. Like you give me a country girl, a good pair of jeans, and a fucking t-shirt mm -hmm. or fucking flannel, man. I am melted butter on a hot summer day. There like I'm know. like, I'm like, you need help moving that hay? And that's funny because you know where that would go. I'd be dead. Yep. <laughs> I'll risk it. Yes, you would, my friend. I'll risk yes, it for the biscuit. Would. All day for that cookie. All right, folks. Well, uh, I think that about wraps everything up for uh, season three, episode eleven, the platinum rule. John, you got anything got anything left that you want to add? Nope. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, in that case, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Well, peeps, hop on over here at Twitter. Find me at Simply Saying J1. Uh, I have a podcast and a blog that you should be checking out. If you're not, you're missing out. It's true. It's true. I, I mean, that's pretty much as simple as it gets. Simple, simple for the Simply Sane. It's simple and it's sane. There it is. No, uh, it's insane. That's pretty. Yeah, you're, you're probably right there. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Movie Blog Merc. Uh, that is the Twitter page for my site, Merc with the Movie Blog. Uh, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, you are watching it on the Merc with the Movie Blog YouTube feed. Be sure to uh, hit that like button if you like what you're watching. Smash that subscribe button. Click that little bell, wherever that bitch may be. If you're listening to us on audio, uh, you can check us out on Anchor, anchor.fm slash last call, H-I-M-Y-M. While you're there, leave us a voice message, you know, oh, give yeah. us your thoughts. You know, if you found an error, you know, if you just had a, a cool comment about something, whatever, man, let us know. We'll play it on air and we'll talk about it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, you can leave us a five-star review and we will read that out on air as well. Uh, we're also available on you know Spotify, Stitcher, all the other major uh, podcasting platforms. Um, and be sure to check us out on Twitter. Twitter and Instagram, I should say. Twitter, at Last Instagram, Call, H-I-M-Y-M. Yeah, all, all those good places at Last Call, H-I-M-Y-M. Uh, but uh, outside of that, I think uh, I don't think we have anything left for them, John. What do you got for them? You don't have to go home, but you can't listen here. That's right, everybody. Catch you next time.